0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Whiskey Tango Foxtrot Podcast. And today I have with me Mac. You want to explain what you did in the military? Ooh,
1: I held the two most hated jobs in the, in the Marine Corps, my friend. I was both a military police officer and a recruiter, man. Yeah. And so which which of those two jobs did you like best? Oh, military police for sure. Yeah. So I spent eight years kind of all bouncing all around the... The world for different MP units. I stayed on the field side, so I never did any sort of base cop stuff. I had a lot of fun doing convoy security and deploying, and I did a whole host of different things. We kind of joked that MPs are multi-purpose. Yeah. Now, you know, I did convoy security, security to bases. We we taught ANA and of the Iraqi National Armies. We did. Customs work in Afghanistan. We were just kind of all over the place.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know. <clears throat> Way better than what, what did you guys do when you weren't deployed? Trained. Uh, we spent a lot of time doing fuck-fuck games, mainly because <laughs> who likes junior Marines? Uh, we did a lot of training. We, we spent a lot of time in the field shooting and just yeah. doing different training for mount. So went out to all the, the different areas in North Carolina and set up field ops and basically sat around with our dicks in our hand because <laughs> nobody really has a purpose for MPs in in air wing units. And then when I went to Okinawa, we'd, we'd basically sleep in Connex boxes with these giant banana spiders. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to see a Marine get scared, put a giant banana spider.
0: Yeah. And for any viewers out there or listeners, um, just a warning: This is a military podcast, and there is going to be foul language in there. And if you're offended, just don't listen.
1: Nobody Simple. cares, anyways.
0: No one cares. <laughs> so, like, what what did you do as a recruiter? Like, what what did that involve?
1: So, I will be the first one to admit that I was a shitty recruiter. <laughs> uh, There's a whole host of reasons for that, but the I spent a lot of time making very pointless phone calls because I'm terrible on the phone is this an appropriate episode to for to laugh like Nick Offerman always an appropriate time to laugh like Nick Offerman you've got <laughs> 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 you, you that creepy laugh down to a T, man I think I think he'd be proud um, now so I, I spent a, t- a lot of time making pointless phone calls where people didn't answer or got pissed off so we'd call them on the on the fax machine <laughs> Or, you know, we'd send out a lot of Facebook Facebook response or Facebook comments to people basically saying, Yo, I'm your friendly neighborhood recruiter man.
0: Did you see that did you see that latest army recruiting picture where they were like offering they were offering an extra ten K bonus for anyone that left within thirty days and in the photo they had some Look like an ODA team, and they're wearing their night vision goggles in the day. And they had them
1: down. <laughs> you know, it's it's a huge difference between the Marine Corps and the Army recruiting because, in, and this isn't trash talking the Army because they're very effective, or at least semi-effective. Basically, they'd get these kids and somehow drag them into the office, and whether literally or figuratively, you decide. And they'd sit down and they basically give them a whole host of. This is a GI bill. This is how much you're going to get paid every month. Look at this medical and dental coverage. Yeah, and they basically hand them the, the enlistment package and their their background check and be like, "All right, we'll see you in two days." Yeah, and the kids walked out so bewildered of what was going on that they just came back in two days with their paperwork in hand. Yeah, like I, I guess I'm joining the army now. Yeah. Uh, whereas the Marine Corps, we we spend a lot of time trying to develop relationships and really trying to get down and dirty in what. Yeah. the marine corps can really do for them yeah and it's both very effective as well as can scare away a lot of people yeah um because we really want to know what the marine corps can do for them you know, some of my army buddies and i joke about how motivated and yeah. the the marine corps are especially in the delayed <laughs> entry program yeah and it's because we really indoctrinate them very early yeah basically oh you that's you think true. you want to be in the marine corps we don't we don't care you're you're not worth it you can't do three pull-ups right now you can't do three pull-ups yeah yeah back up bro. bye yeah. yeah we'll be seeing you
0: that's, that's true yeah I, I remember you know because i i first went and talked to a marine Corps a marine recruiter when i was in oregon and he was like more like trying to build a relationship with me mm-hmm. and like get to know who, who I was. But whereas like the army guys, they were just like taking people left and right. Like they were popping pills, you know? And oh yeah. Especially we called it the, the quota.
1: We called it the 202k push. And that was uh, the Marine Corps obviously the smallest branch. When the beginning of the, uh, the, the Iraq war started in Iraq and Afghanistan, we were sitting right around 176,000 Marines. Well, we realized that we needed to bump up to 202,000 Marines. So the 202 push, and man, it was tedious for those recruiters. I I don't... I feel bad for them, but I'm so glad I wasn't one of them. I mean, these guys were having to put in four, four kids every month per recruiter. Oh, that's, and that's, that sucks. Especially for uh, the Marine Corps, where we're trying to find the highest quality because we want you to... We want you to be really indoctrinated for when we kick you in the teeth later on and you decide not to <laughs> yeah. <a> list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, so, like, I guess now that you've... How long have you been out? I've been out since November of 2016, so we're coming up on three years, which is crazy.
0: How long did you spend in?
1: I spent nine and a half years almost to the day.
0: Dang, that's, that's about how long I, I would have been in if I fulfilled the last re-enlistment.
1: Oh yeah you decide to lose your leg instead you bitch
0: oh I could have stayed in right, that's another that's a story for another day though you know
1: we speaking <laughs> of guys that stayed in without a leg we had this the first marine that lost his leg in Afghanistan oh well the, the first marine that went back to Afghanistan after losing his leg he was stationed on Camp Pendleton where I was yeah but we used to wake up and go deer hunting at Camp Pendleton during deer season. This kid was a fucking beast. He'd be up there with us at 3 a.m. He'd go to the most mountainous parts of Camp Pendleton. He'd shoot a deer, and he'd drag this fucking 170 pound deer up a hill. This up this right. mountain? No, absolutely not. But then we had these Navy kids come from down in down in San Diego.
0: I mean, you got to think though. I mean, he's he's like me. He's only got one. He he doesn't feel pain in that leg. He just drags it along. I didn't even think
1: about that. It's a really valid point. I, I was just, I was just thinking his mental fortitude. But you know, we want to talk about. Well, he didn't feel the pain. There's yeah. no lactic acid when you don't have a leg. <laughs> There's no lactic acid in that calf muscle. Now, but then we had these, we had these uh, two kids from from San Diego come up from the Navy, and they had, they had shot a deer down in the same area, and they had called the, called the game warden and be like, we can't get it out, and he was like, yeah, I'm not coming for you,
0: yeah. I'm sure he did
1: because so that's his job. But
0: an interesting story I read a little while ago. It was literally a couple days ago, or actually, I listened to it. Was a uh, I'm going to pardon you know any of my Navy SEAL or Green Beret buddies out there. Um, a guy was explaining he's been through both buds and ODA training, and he was saying there were, he was asked which one was harder, and he said that. In all reality, the ODA training was harder because with going through buds, you just had to meet the physical fitness requirements and not quit, and you made it. Whereas in and going going to become uh, get on an ODA team, not only did you have to do that, but you also had to you were expected to perform, and if you didn't perform, you basically got pure evaluated, kicked out.
1: Yeah, I feel like the the Navy SEALs. After they go through BUDS, they go through their, their separate training. I think that that's where, more where they build up yeah. their mental fortitude and they decide to kick you out whether or not.
0: Whereas like ODA, it's from the beginning. Yeah,
1: and and one of the things that I, I learned about the ODA, ODA guys is that it is very mental. They're, they're trying to weed you out. Yeah. And a lot of them will go from ODA to ranger school afterwards mm-hmm. instead of the other way around. And they'll say, you know, they're completely different. The Ranger school is more physical. Yeah. It's all about breaking down your body, not breaking down your mind. Yeah. Whereas ODA, it's all about the mental. Yeah, it is. Like cuz you might not be able to get the perfect physical fitness stuff, but if you have that mental capability, yeah, then they're they're willing to work with you. Yeah. And I thought that was a very interesting interesting thing. The Green Berets are an outstanding group of, of men. Yeah. And they're not. The, I I, I kind of consider them the the hillbillies of <laughs> of special forces <laughs> they, because they, they just do whatever they you know they they do whatever they need to and they're they're just so well versed. It's like yeah, it's like going to a redneck encampment. Yeah, and those guys just know how to do everything. So they're what, very self sufficient.
0: What's your thoughts on like, on, like between because the marines have MARSOC now. Mm-hmm. Like, which one? What's your thoughts on how like marsock stands in there? You know, it's... Which one do you think they support so the, more?
1: So the Raiders are a very interesting group of Marines. A lot of them came from the recon world. Yeah. And their their mission is just a little bit different. Yeah, we're, we're getting more, or they're getting more, into kicking in doors and, and doing DA work or direct, direct action work. But a lot of them are more similar to some of those Green Berets where they're living amongst the people. But I, I feel like they have a lot more support staff than like the ODA guys do. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just kind of a more complex situation. Yeah, So it's, it's really hard to compare all of the different branches, special operations commands. I mean, the PJs are a completely different situation. The SEALs are a different situation in theory. Yeah. I, f- I feel like over the last 20 years, the SEALs have tried to be more like the Green Berets, and that's not against them. It's just what the mission entails. Yeah. Um, but when you look at like... The guys from 12 Strong, what they did and what they accomplished is completely different than what MARSOC or the SEALs or any of them would ever need to do. Yeah. So I, th- I think they just kind of fit their different niches. Yeah. And it's it's like comparing apples and, I don't know, kumquats. Yeah. Because they're so far away.
0: Yeah. So what what when you while you're in, what was some of the craziest things that you guys... Like did to each other what kind of like hazing did you guys do <laughs>
1: so uh, my first day as a fleet marine <laughs> uh, i had i had this i was i was a lance corporal so an e3 and i had this i had this senior lance corporal and i thought we were equals <laughs> man he was he was part of the old marine corps division before they got re- uh, the mp division before they got rid of him originally yeah And he was a hard guy. I mean, he deployed to to Iraq for two tours, and he had a combat action ribbon. And this dude, he should have been a corporal, but we were kind of in a, a promotion freeze. Man, I thought we were equals, and he was teaching us how to do the vehicle checkpoints and stuff. Yeah. And I was not listening. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, we're equals. I was being super arrogant. Yeah. This dude, he warned me once, and then he knocked me the fuck out. Yeah. So you know, the Marine Corps is very much in that way, you know. Yeah, what I see a lot from the army is oh we'll smoke you and make you do a bunch of push ups. Yeah. Marine Corps' is all about fighting. I'll just punch you right in the fucking yeah. face.
0: I will I will say we we did some hazing. I think I think some of the some of the stuff we did was probably borderline, but I don't know. It was still fun. We had we had a troublemaker in basic that we, when he was gone when he was gone to church well I wouldn't say trouble he was he was just a brain but when he was gone at church we flipped his wall locker over upside down because you couldn't tell which way was it right side up on our wall lockers and then within 30 minutes of them getting back we had a locker inspection and when they, when they opened up his locker everything came pouring out it was the funniest freaking thing in the world
1: we had a guy that one of the other recruits pissed in this dude's canteen like something you would see on full metal jacket yeah i never thought that i'd see it in real life i thought it was just one of those oh my god one of those bs stories but this kid horrible this kid i won't won't mention his name but he was just he had been dropped like two or three companies for injuries or i think he was on uh, the pork chop platoon yeah just couldn't pass the initial strength test yeah and man he he was such a he is such an arrogant little prick <laughs> oh. um, at the beginning by the by the end of the time uh, I wouldn't say I liked him but he was better yeah um, but the first week of, of recruit training as we call it what? we were still so at the, at the end of every night we do we do uh, checks for cleanliness and injuries and they make us drink an entire canteen and basically stand on line hold it out and they tell us to drink and we drink the entire thing till it's gone oh yeah yeah yeah, well this guy this guy had a full canteen of piss oh and man you know no. he tipped it up spit it out and two of the drill stretchers came over and they oh. were nobody liked this kid and they made him drink the entire thing
0: oh because he said so and he bad. was like
1: he was like oh my my canteen is full of piss and they're like my my motherfucker this recruit, this recruit, drink your fucking canteen. Oh. <laughs> it was, it was terrible. And oh, you know, the, awful. I would
0: have poured it out. I <sighs> in trouble.
1: I. It would have been. It would have been every bit of worth it because what's what are the drill instructors going to do about it? You know. Yeah, I, mean? I would have poured it all out. And then the the senior drill instructor the next day, I mean, already, obviously you're already getting in trouble. Yeah, might mean, as well just pour it out. And what are they going to do? Go to the, go to the the yeah the chief drill instructor and say. Oh, this kid wouldn't drink his canteen full of piss. Smoke like, you a little bit? Yeah. Like, who cares? Like, <laughs> no, that, that's open. I'd rather get now. smoked than yeah. That's canteen. well. So I went to boot camp right after. I think he was a. I think he was a staff sergeant, sergeant or staff sergeant. Glass. I got in a lot of trouble for hazing Marines or recruits, technically, and it was just. So they they tried to mine some of their Ps and Qs. Mm-hmm. tried being the optimal word. It's still the Marine Corps. Yeah. Um, but the next day that the senior drill instructor came out and we were standing in, standing in formation or in a box as we call it. Yeah. And he was like, okay, I, I need you guys to tell the truth. Who the fuck did that? Yeah. So these three recruits came up and they said, hey, it was us. And... They so. all got promoted to squad leader for their honesty. <laughs> that's that's how much nobody liked this kid. And all three of them ended up getting popped for on the piss test and went home like three weeks later. So
0: here's here's another question. So you've been out for a few years. Um, so like do you think after this, since this is the first episode on this do you think and you're on it, do you think your wife is gonna listen to this
1: god i hope not <laughs> no i'm just kidding she she probably won't um i had one of those wives that wasn't a part of the marine corps how did you guys meet we met in middle school really you guys have known each other for a long time yeah the, over half our lives we we just realized that the other day uh, It it's kind of mind blowing. Uh, we've been married for
0: and how long how So you guys met in middle school. How long did you guys date?
1: Oh no. man, I was chasing her for years. <laughs> she was she was at least smart enough yeah, in the beginning you know. not to not to do it. <laughs> no, she, she she kind of jokes. Um, that I don't I don't know how I got myself into this situation. <laughs> I don't either, but I just tell her it was drugs. Oh
0: wait, this is appropriate Nick Offerman laugh
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I used to tell people in when Afghanistan whenever they'd see a picture of her and then they look at me and did like, you roofie her? No, I always told them. you are like, "So, what are you doing while well, your wife's at home?" They're like, "Oh, I changed her to the radiator, and feeding her a steady drip of drugs, man. <laughs> oh, that's awful." I got somebody throwing food down. Like, I need her to know I'm, I'm still here. Uh, was she
0: in the military? No, 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 no. So how was that?
1: She was. Were you guys married in the military at all? We were. So we got married in 2011. Okay, I was in, I was in Okinawa. That was my second duty station. So she was finishing up her bachelor's degree. And somehow I convinced her that it was worth dealing with my dumbass. Yeah. Um, now she, she was wonderful the entire, very supportive. But she was never a part of the Marine Corps dependent yeah. lifestyle. She had her own life. She had her own job. I don't want to say that she was smarter than the average dependent. But the average dependent never gave most people a chance to see their intelligence level. Yeah, whereas she she was always very motivated. She's she's one of the most motivated people I've ever seen. The the mental ability for her to push through things is incredible. Yeah. So you know she used to drive forty minutes away from Camp Pendleton to go work on a a, at a horse therapy Mm -hmm. place. Her degrees in equine therapy, effectively. Okay. So you know, usually handicapped people or people with one leg yeah um, are you trying to on say horses to say well i no. pointed at you so i mean <laughs> i don't i don't think i don't know how that could be you misconstrued think, you, in you your, think need
0: therapy <laughs> there's no
1: think on that <laughs> <That's right. laughs> i appreciate your honesty i don't think you want me to lie
0: <laughs> no absolutely uh, not
1: <laughs> now you know a, a spe, uh, hers or uh, her specialty was more kids with autism mm-hmm. um, but she would she would also work with with people in, in wheelchairs and, you know, they had a lot of physical ailments. Does cause... she work
0: at that one place that's nearby? The... She doesn't.
1: Uh, she she got an MBA eventually when she realized that I was out of the Marine Corps and she actually had to support us. <laughs> um, <laughs> she was. <laughs> so she, she got her MBA and she, she runs a business team at, at A&M. Okay. So she's incredibly intelligent. She's incredibly hardworking and is spending a lot of her time fixing issues from past so she you know she she does a lot and you know we have two kids and mm-hmm. sometimes I'm not the greatest of the parents because yeah you know a lot of things in my past and she is absolutely wonderful so yeah you know she's she spent a lot of time she wasn't one of those dependents she t- is just as much as I don't show it she's she's way better than me and, and she's, she's really my rock. So, but she won't listen to this so I can say all these gushy things to tell her how much I love her on here and she won't care. So, um, because she, you know, this isn't, this isn't up her alley.
0: So now that you've been out and you've had a taste of military and you've, you have a, a good relationship. What, um, how would you
1: describe The transition process the transition for me was incredibly odd you know i was i was the same age or older than some of my professors Uh, when i went to school you know the the first month that i got out because i was in that awkward period where i had a month that we hadn't found a house down here in college station and we didn't have a place so we stayed with our parents and i love our parents they're amazing Mm -hmm. Uh, i really won on the in-law lottery but I'll tell you what, it drove me up a wall. I, I'm not good at sitting on my hands and waiting. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> yeah, so that month, man, I was going crazy.
0: I like to get stuff done. I can't stand sitting around.
1: You know, I, I'm not necessarily getting things done, but I have to move. Yeah, it's you know, true, ha- yeah. It's yeah, true. you know, idle hands and yeah. Devil's Playground and stuff. But I really fight every day not to keep my hands idle, and that was the biggest, the biggest transition was trying to understand what my place was out here. Yeah. In the Marine Corps, I knew what my place was. I knew what my job was, whether or not I was a good recruiter. I knew what the job was. But I didn't have a purpose out here. Yeah, I could go to school, but I didn't know where I wanted to be. Yeah. So, at the same time, I was going to school with the same kids that I was recruiting. Yeah. You know, that's less than six months ago when yeah. I, I was in one of my chem classes or my chem labs I recruited up in New England I recruited for a very small school this guy working on his doctorate I had called this house oh god six months after he left to go to go to college oh god I was calling the, the graduating the graduated seniors and oh, I was man. calling his house no no. like I had my old boss look Ugh. and his name was oh, on one oh, of the lists like absolutely uh, you know but him and I got along really yeah. well it was just extremely awkward, awkward moment yeah extremely awkward where I'm going you know what do I have in common with these kids other than the fact that I can I don't know talk about how old I am yeah as I always look at look at me and they're like you're not one of us are you <laughs> <laughs> No, nope, you're right I'm not <laughs> um, that, that was a huge detriment to me yeah was thinking that because I was old, I, I didn't have a place amongst my peers. Yeah. Or at least the people that became my peers. Yeah. So I, I tended to gravitate towards the veterans that I knew. And and some of them become, some, uh, at least one of them became one of my really great friends. Yeah. And in fact, actually, you met him on July 4th when we went out and shot fireworks. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a good community. It's, it's a great community, but what I really should have focused on was, was dealing with some of the the younger kids. Yeah. I, mean, I took a calculus class where I really had to be an example and, and try to work with them, and they ended up being great people. In, inexperienced in some things, but great people. You know, it's, it's all about finding the experience and building on the experience of others as well as trying to give your own. Yeah. So whereas I had a lot more life experience and a little bit more know-how and, you know, the Marine Corps is in a rich – the military, you know, we're not rich people. So, yeah. you know, I fixed my own vehicles and these kids didn't know anything. I had to clean off one of their battery terminals because they couldn't get it. Yeah. But at the same time, their work ethic was incredible yeah. because they'd been in school for, you know, what, 12 years, 12, 13 years, and they are just continuing – on that path, whereas I had a ten-year break. Yeah, so it's watching, hard getting in school back in school
0: after that long of a break. Oh yeah, you, you don't remember how you you need to study.
1: Like you got to retrain
0: yourself basically, oh, and, was, and the professors aren't
1: helping you at all. Or, or in my case, training myself. You know, I, I knew that I was going into the military from a very young age. Yeah. So in high school, my only goal was to just graduate. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't have a plan to go to college. Yeah, there was never a plan to go to college. The only plan was to go into the military. Yeah. So I didn't really create <laughs> that that cushion. There there was no cushion. There's no cushion. <laughs> that's a that's a lot of what my wife and I have worked on is because she is an incredibly intelligent person. She has an MBA. Yeah. You know, she she worked her butt off for the entire thing. And I just I didn't know my ass from my elbows. <laughs> I, I still don't most days, but you I know, think I'm I, on that same page. <laughs> yeah, you know it's it's an incre- uh, incredibly telling for how much people are willing to ask for help. Yeah, and I was never really good at asking for help. Yeah, so men's and men's. So, like now
0: that you have a real job, what what's what's it like dealing with? civilians versus dealing with military
1: people you know most of the people that work that i work directly with have some sort of military background whether it's their their kids mm-hmm. or their spouses or actually I, th- I think there's only two that don't have some sort of military ties yeah out of a team of 12 yeah yeah i think there's 12 I- i've never actually counted so let's let's guess However, I, t- I talk to a lot of a lot of people that don't know who I am, where I came from. But I'm talking to them on the phone. For me, it's incredibly easy to build rapport. Yeah. So I become friends with most of them. Most of them don't give me a hard time. It's it's very natural. Yeah. So I've only had to tell one of them to to hold their horses and, and relax for for half a second while we.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah what's the most aggravating thing about being out of the military now that you find respect my authority. <laughs> you know, I was,
1: I was a Sergeant in the Marine Corps. Yeah. You yeah. Know, we, we, you
0: get a lot of authority in the military Yeah, as a young man. And I think it, I think it being given a lot of authority because in the in, in civilian in real world, you're never going to give that be given that much authority no, and it, and, or even that much responsibility yeah, from, and, in any job and here you are, you're handed a weapon and most civilians I mean I would beg to differ, would be scared to be in a position like that either they're scared or they just don't want to or they're three
1: percenters which is, a three joke, percent, yeah. which is a joke in itself that we could have an entire podcast about my hatred about them <laughs> um I'm sure they'd piss off a lot of people. Oh, we could do that one day. Oh, no, no. That would make me happy. <laughs> I would relish the opportunity to just... I'd fly my buddy from California out and we'd just talk shit about the 3%ers all day long. Uh, I mean, we still text each other pictures if we can sneak pictures of these 3%er idiots. <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, it's its that respect of authority because you have you have so much experience you don't know, have, have so much responsibility and you're mm-hmm. in charge of lives and i know that a lot of times uh, this is one of the, the common arguments that my wife and i do have is that she is a manager she manages people and she does an incredible job at it but sometimes she forgets that i managed people because yeah. it's not the same it's not the same way that you manage because she doesn't need to deal with them outside of work for the most part yeah and she doesn't need to lead them into battle where they could die or get seriously well, injured. like
0: in the military sometimes you gotta hold their hands too
1: oh my god my my recruiter he, he gave me he gave me one of the best the best things that i used to do to some of my marines when they were just acting like children yeah and that was he'd hold out his pinky and be like all right hold on my pinky let's go yeah like you want to act like a child yeah Let's let's walk you around like my kids walk, like I walk my kids. around.
0: <laughs> Sometimes I want to do that to have people. every and, day.
1: And man, to watch watch a junior marine that's that's on recruiting assistance being led around by this big burly recruiter <laughs> by his pinky. Yeah. Like, I, you know, we were talking about hazing earlier. I, that that probably crosses one of those lines, but yeah. But you learn from it. Yeah. I can't imagine some of the things that you have to put put up with as a civilian manager. Yeah. Because you can't do that. No, you can't. Um, but it's just it's just such a different world, and it's it's remembering that what you did in the Marine Corps as a manager doesn't mean dick now.
0: Yeah, I mean you learn managing faster in the military than you would in the civilian world. Yeah, and there's it's just there's trying a to huge translate
1: it. there's a huge amount of leadership that you're you're building through all the yeah. branches, especially the Marine Corps, where they're you know my brother was a PFC and he was in charge of four four of the Marines. Yeah, he was an E two as a as an e3 and as an e4 he was he was running a platoon and a squad
0: yeah
1: you know that you know between 13 and 30 people yeah human beings yeah that and he was an infantry guy yeah so there there's that high potential of going into into battlefields and possibly losing some of the Marines. it's it's just such a complex system yeah And especially once you start talking about staff sergeants and gunnies where they're leading companies or, you know, sergeant majors who run battalions. Yeah. You know, and then some of the officers that are, you know, they're leading entire divisions. Yeah. Or the entire southwest sector of a country. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) of all the branches. You're given a
0: lot of responsibility.
1: Yeah. I mean, even even some of the guys, like, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a fairly big fan of James Mattis yeah Uh, there are the honorable James Mattis yeah since I named my son after him yeah (laughs) but you know he's in his 50s or 60s early 60s and he led I mean thousands and tens you know 10,000 military members yeah or you know 50,000 military members or whatever the incredible number that it was he was
0: in charge of them all for a while
1: and yeah he well he wasn't in charge of all of them because he wasn't in charge of the Joint Chiefs of Staff But the ability for somebody in their 60s to lead that much, I mean, even when you're talking about CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, you're not talking about day-to-day operations of their everyday life. Yeah. If one of the employees at the very basic level of a Fortune 500 company dies, whatever, the CEO probably doesn't even hear about it. Yeah. But that's the first call that needs to be made to you know, your, your commanding officer and then to the division and all the way up to yeah the man in charge you know the the current Commandant of the marine corps knows about every marine that dies whether yeah. in country or in a motorcycle accident or whatever he knows and he feels that because they're and i'm sure it's the same in the army yeah you know they they understand what that impact is yeah all the way to the basic level so it's it's such a different environment that i i can't even compare the two but you have to be able to learn to live in both yeah because no matter when you get out whether you're whether you spent 40 years in the military and were a four-star general or you spent an enlistment and got to E4 or E3 if you weren't that great yeah but then you have to come out and you have to be an active participant of everyday life yeah so you have to be able to assimilate uh, one of the biggest things that I that I tell everybody that gets out, and I, I try to remind myself of this, is don't let the Marine Corps be the best part of your life. Don't let that be the precipice. Don't think that you hit the top of the mountain and then go downhill because there's nothing that's as, as yeah. crazy as that. Find something else. Be, be incredibly power, proud of what you did.
0: Yeah, and just keep doing it too. For Absolutely, your, for the rest of your life.
1: Absolutely, but don't let that be the your high point.
0: Yeah. So, like, what would you say to someone that got out and was struggling with that?
1: My biggest thing is to find people that are in that situation or move past that situation. You know, we've we've got somebody in town, Pat, that is incredibly yeah successful afterwards and is willing to work with you and kind of give you that that wrap on the on the, the brain cells to yeah to kind of get out of your own yeah your own your own way as it were. Um, the other thing is to to get into a situation, join activities, whether it's a, a sports team or, you know, guys that shoot clays or yeah. whatever it is. Go out and find people that are all different walks of life. Yeah. We have this potential, especially at a young age, to be very good at something. Yeah. So that means you have the potential, at even a little bit older of an age, to be equally or better at something that you were before. Yeah, and you have that you have that ability to be good at something, and you have that ability to learn and to listen. So take advantage of that. Yeah, you know whether you're volunteering for something or you're working in a job. Yeah. Be the master of your own destiny.
0: And how would you, what would you say to someone that wasn't in the military and was struggling with something like that?
1: The same thing. Same thing? Same thing. Uh, I, I see a lot of people that the highlight of their life was college or yeah. the highlight of their, their life was throwing that game winning touchdown in the, yeah. in the state finals or, or whatever whatever it is. They, they always think that they peak young. Yeah. But there is no peaking young. You know, even if you look at running, uh, I learned from a lieutenant years and years ago that a lot of people think that they're fastest when they're young, but really the plateau where you get to the top of your plateau or before you plateau and go downhill is in your late thirties. Yeah. Running, so don't think that you peak early.
0: Yeah, you don't peak
1: early. No, not at all. You can change. You know, your brain doesn't stop developing, developing till you're yeah. twenty five.
0: You you change throughout your entire life, in my opinion. You never stay the same person. Your interests may change.
1: Yeah, but a lot of people won't let that. So I've had a few conversations. Don't don't let it be the people.
0: What do you what what would you say to someone that was scared of change or scared of making that change? Stop being a pussy. Stop being a pussy. You know it's that's my thing too. I don't. I just.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I, I tend to say don't be a bitch more than yeah more than stop being a pussy.
0: I mean, at least we're not saying grab a of pussy.
1: No, but I think that's honest. That was so fucking stupid. <laughs> that was way overdrawn. Oh my god! But I mean, I, I mean, had to say it on the pod. no, and that's that's fair. But I mean, I think that it was. Uh, I tend to be very middle of the aisle, and I, I try to see both yeah. sides. So at the same time, that that was drawn out way too much. So were Hillary's emails. Yeah, I mean. Uh, tit for tat you know we'll, we'll keep it we'll keep it fair
0: yeah so you think like how would you so in, in your opinion if someone's like in that spot they just need to go out and do it and find the community find what they're good at
1: they do even if you have to drag them somewhere yeah you know yeah, that, that's part of that whole leadership and then if, you're, thing.
0: If, you're, if you're if you're in a point where you need need that change you got to just Need to make it, you know.
1: So yeah, you just
0: need to, you know, pull your britches up, pull your pants up, put your put your big boy panties on, and freaking go off that door, you know.
1: Yeah, you know they they hold. They always say that you can't, or you can lead a horse to water, and you can't make him drink. No, but you can make the motherfucker drown. Yeah, that's true. You can you can force him to. He'll get water into at least his lungs. Yeah, um, but but sometimes people need that push off the cliff. Sometimes people need that that thought process of I can do this and there's people that are here to support me yeah Um, it's the same thing with things like suicide or and and I don't want to say depression because it's a very difficult subject but sometimes it it just takes people to know that somebody's there for them yeah and whether uh, whether they're going to struggle or whether they're going to sit inside of their their house and not leave they need to know that that somebody cares yeah and it might not fix everything yeah. obviously I, i'm a realist not an idiot yeah but it's it's the same thing my my wife tends to tends to do things i, I took her to get her oh, one of her ears or ear piercings that i, I can't think of is that little nub in your ear oh
0: yeah i know you're talking um, about
1: yeah and it looks great and she's wanted it for years but she would never kind of bite the bullet and so I told her I was like, "We're going to go out on a date night." And I refused to tell her. We pulled her into the tattoo. <laughs> yes. I pulled her into I pulled into the tattoo parlor. <laughs> she thinking uh, how
0: we're getting tattoos together.
1: Well, yeah, you know, she thought she was like, "Oh, you're getting another tattoo." And I was like, "No, no, you're getting your ear piercing." She went, <laughs> oh, Tragus—that's what it's called." Uh, I was like, "No, we're we're finally getting your Tragus piercing." Yeah, and I was like, and because you always tell me I can't go to a, t- a tattoo parlor without getting a tattoo, I also got one of those. Uh, but. You know, we said we we are we didn't argue in the car about it. We, you know, she was like, "No, I'm super nervous." I was, "Because like, what if it doesn't look professional or good?" I'm like, "It's fine." Yeah, you know, you've wanted it for years. You've you consider it as something that badasses have. Yeah, and you want to emulate that badassery. Yeah, do it. So yeah, absolutely. And she got it. She you got something it. on your heart that you want. You should absolutely go for
0: it and don't let hold, anything hold you back. Yeah, that that's my view on the world. I've you know. I think we both kind of fall in that category. It's like where the stuff is on our hearts. We're going to get there one way or another. It might be a little messy, but
1: it's we're always, going to get there. It's always a lot of bit messy for me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I've had a few stumbles.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I think everyone does.
1: And, and we, uh, you're absolutely right. But without it, we're not growing. You're
0: not growing if you don't
1: stumble. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If you're not failing at something, you're not growing.
1: Yeah. Or at least you're not getting better at it.
0: You're not getting better, yeah. You're not learning anything you're not seeing other opportunities that might be coming up if you're not failing you know
1: i mean even even mozart and bach they didn't yeah they, uh, yeah sure they were absolutely incredible from a very early age but they didn't peak then yeah they didn't peak then yeah they stumbled and not every every not every key that they pressed was was genius
0: and not every opportunity oh. not every door that's right in front of you is going to be the right door sometimes you got to look at all the other doors around you mm-hmm. yeah you know? one door closes open up another one if that one closes try another one just keep going
1: door closes open a window oh yeah (laughs) bust that motherfucker out or you could just
0: open the door again and stay stuck you know (laughs) yeah you know yeah but
1: you know uh, speaking of the door analogy it kind of comes back to what we were talking about earlier is yeah is having somebody on your back yeah, sure. You can't open that door alone, but we can stack up and open that door together. We
0: can. We sure as heck
1: can. I'm pretty sure we'll be good at it too. <laughs> hey, man, somebody's got to have the shotgun to blow the hinges off. Right? I don't mind going in first. Not at all. Not at all. But you know, somebody's got to blow that that those hinges off with the sawed off. Yeah. You know, it it is what it is. Well, I guess and... that's where I come in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I would use slugs. You know, that's that's what a nice fi- uh, a nice Mossberg 500 is good for. Use yeah. some use some door. Doorbusters, some buckshot, or,
0: or a, you know, mix of.
1: Oh yeah, oh, uh, anything. You know, there's, there's so many ways. Yeah, know. hell, birdshot will work in a pinch. It just builds you a charge. <laughs> you are an engineer, right? <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, an engineer. All about job. the charges. I can just blow the door yeah, off for if you. If I blow the door off, then I'm probably going to lose all of my fingers and probably a leg like yours. <laughs> <laughs> probably a few brain cells. There's, there's not very many left. <laughs> no, I probably only got like two left, if that. <laughs> I probably have six or seven. Oh, oh you're lucky but i'm younger than you so
0: <laughs> by a few years well anyways that was uh that was our first episode um i appreciate you guys listening and tuning in uh leave any comments below and the email if you want to contact me is on my instagram which is whiskey tango foxtrot and um i'll talk to you guys later i hope you guys enjoy
1: and if you remember if you blow dudes Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. No one cares. (laughs) You do you, (laughs) boo-boo.